Welcome to the One in the Shiba podcast with Suji and Ed. We're just two Asian Americans talking shit about shit. Yep. Except today. No, not today. We're going to be talking shit about ourselves. Because you know what? Not every day is a shit talking kind of day. But before we get to that. Yes. Hi, Ed. How was your week? It was yeah. It was a roller coaster. Yeah. Explain. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, I've uncovered some trauma that I didn't know until now. Okay. And uh, I've been trying to like, I haven't even really been making content so much this week because I've been focusing on my trying to, you know, better my brain. And somehow out of the blue, my friends just like serendipitously, I don't even know if I just used that word right. You did. But serendipitously knew. And they uh, invited me to go see Weezer and Pomona. Yeah. And like. You guys probably don't know. You Love all don't Weezer. know this, but uh, Weezer's like probably like my favorite band. Oh, yeah. They uh, the Pinkerton album, their second album came out like right around the time my grandmother passed away. Oh, and I don't know if you've ever listened to that album, but it's like very emotional. Yeah, yeah. And like that album pulled me out of like really dark times. In fact, when they first started playing yesterday, I was like standing there, you know, trying to not look so old and whatever, because you know. <laughs> There's a bunch of like younger people there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when they first played their first song, I literally was like, oh my God, you pushed those tears back in, you oh, son of a bitch. You soft motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. I was like, do oh, not bring up trauma here. No. I was like, yeah. I, I hope Weezer sees this and they know that they've, they are such a great band and yeah. I know that they mean a lot to you. So I'm glad you got to see them. Yeah. And it seems like Rivers, the main, you know, the lead vocalist, he, Seems like because he used to be very adamantly not play songs from Pinkerton because I think it was very emotional for him. Um, And I think he's at a stage in his life now where that's all behind him. So Mm -hmm. he's now like, yeah, I'm just playing everything that everybody wants to hear. So it was like really awesome. Oh, good. I'm glad you got to do that because I know you've had a very heavy week. Yeah. And there's been a lot. Yeah. Even just like talking about it in passing. Is making me panicky. Yeah. Okay. Well, which kind of brings us to what this episode is going to be about. Because I truly don't believe that just because something comes up, you necessarily have to like go headfirst into it every time. Right. And sometimes we just need to step away from it and collect our thoughts and reconcile things in our own time. And in a lot of instances, you know, we want to give ourselves to our followers and to our friends and you know everybody online. But I don't feel like we need to keep doing it at the expense of our own like emotional and mental health. And I feel like a lot of us who are on social media forget that a lot just because we really want to be as authentic as we can. And I think it comes from a great place, but I think having been there and, you know, having watched you go through this week, I just know that, you know, we can't, it's, it's like, um, it's like when you're on a plane, you know, and they say like, if you're with a small child, you put your face mask on first yes, and then you put the child's on because if you're not there to, you know, save the child, then you can't really, you know, you're no good to anybody. And yeah. so I kind of feel like that, you know, about maybe us, maybe you to a greater extent this week that like, I know that you want to give so much of yourself to people. And I know that you want to do it in a way that, you know, is helpful to those, but I just hope to, and I think you've arrived there where it's just not, not to your detriment. You know, right. like don't do it to the point where it now depletes you. And I feel like some days it's okay to just take a, a day off and a, my, a, a day for me, a me day. Yeah. And I think uh, I watched this video where Dylan Mulvaney met Laverne Cox. Mm-hmm. Love both of them. Yeah. And Laverne Cox had a very real meaning conversation. Dylan was like, oh my God, you were on my vision board for 2023. And Laverne Cox had this very 
you know, serious face. Stoic and look. she just was like, look, honey, I basically want you to know that like, you don't have to give, you can like keep parts of yourself private or, yeah. you know, it wasn't verbatim, but somewhere along those sure. lines. And I think a lot of people were like, okay, oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. You know? And like, I'm like just really understanding yeah. what that means because when you're in a public space, not that we're like, you know, public figures, but well, to an public. extent we we're are, right, public. yeah. And there is this like feeling of need to want to be open, to right. be vulnerable, to be honest, right. you know? Right. And I think we have to remember to like, some things we have to keep for ourselves because it's, it's, it's not for the for public everybody. to know, or right. maybe even just at this time, right. you know, for right. us to talk about. And I think that's another thing too, is like, we feel this urgency to do it in the moment because it's relevant. But also when you do that, I feel like it exposes you to so much stuff because sometimes you're speaking from just like an, a really like emotional place or like everything's just so reactive and it's not even necessarily how you feel about it. It just kind of comes out because you're in the moment and you just get, you know, swept up in the the passion of the conversation or whatever it is. And what ends up happening is you say things that not that you didn't mean, but maybe you'll say them in a way that wasn't conveying to the best of its ability, what right. you're trying to say. Right. And then in doing so now you've now have another fucking thing you have to address. And it's so fucking much. And the difference is like, we're not actors. We're not playing parts. We're not going from film to film being different people. We are ourselves. And so when we do this stuff that we do, it's kind of like, Actors get to dig deep into their soulfulness and into, you know, digging into deeper characters, but we just kind of keep doing that into ourselves. And right. I feel like the more we go and further along we go, the more we feel like we have to expose. And I just have a ride where I'm like, no, you guys don't, you know me very well, but I don't think you guys have to know everything. And some things are just for me. Correct. And that's okay. Yeah. So with that. But wait, how was your weekend? Oh, how was your week? I don't know. I didn't sleep last night. I have no idea what's going on today. I don't even know what I did this morning. I'm like, how did I get here? What time is it? Did I eat breakfast? I have no idea. Um, my husband is sick with the man flu, <laughs> <laughs> which is very different than the regular flu. Um, and so not so to disparage true. my husband, but I think what, what I guess is really positive in when my husband gets sick is I can feel that I am really doing so much more because he does contribute so much to to the household and to with the kids and all that stuff. He's a very active partner. But when he's sick, he's so sick, he can do nothing. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. oh my God. So yeah. I have that on my plate, which is a lot, but it's fine. You know, you, you just live your life. And I just am doing so, so many things that I, I literally have something that I have to do every single day of the week, every single week, which is a lot. So I think taking a day off in this way today is, has been, is, is health a nice, yeah, respite from all the other stuff, so. Yeah, being a man, I don't know what it is. Yeah, you know what I mean? We are babies. We are babies. God fucking God. Even those of us that like, for instance, I live with chronic back pain, you know, yeah. it's not all the time, but this one's lasted six months now, so it's pretty much been all the time. That's valid. That's valid, and like that I can live with, you know, I have a mm -hmm. pretty high pain tolerance for many things. But as a man, it is really hard to fight the desire just when you get a when you get body chills or a fever to just be like, I'm dying. Yeah, I yeah. Don't there's know what there's it is. a huge disparity, I think, between men and women. And I obviously don't speak for all men and I don't speak for all women. Everybody Most calm us, down. Just calm down. I didn't say that. Um, but like, you know, I was at home yesterday. I have a million things to do. A million things to do. 
And my husband comes home like midday, like one o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, mm-hmm. up sick. I was like, oh, honey. And so we make soup and like, I'm like, okay, well, let me help you and like not be a fucking bitch about it. But he lays down on the couch, blanket up, dog on his lap, turns on the TV and it's fucking sports, like at like volume, like a hundred. Then he falls asleep and he's snoring on the couch and I'm like, <sighs> get the fuck up and go to the fucking bedroom and get the fuck out of my way. (laughs) I mean, like, I get it. You're sick and you're feeling really sorry for yourself and that's okay. (sighs) But can you not fuck up my day? (laughs) Because I'm doing a million things, so. But it's fine. My husband is lovely and I hope he gets well soon. Like, really soon. (laughs) But, like, last time I had um, a really bad severe cold or maybe it was even the flu, I don't remember, but I don't get sick too often. But I remember the last time being like, other people live normal lives while they're sick. Get up, you piece of shit. And I was like, but I need my mommy. See, I I'm I am the mommy Wom- now. Yeah, women are you know, just stronger. I, I than women am are. the mommy now. So like when I a few maybe like two months ago or something, both of my my younger daughter and I both had norovirus. And I don't know if you're familiar, but you just diarrhea and vomit your brains out. <laughs> but I didn't want my husband and my other daughter to catch it. So my younger daughter and I just hold up in my room with ha- that has the bathroom, you know, closest to it. And I had to take care of her while also being sick with the same thing. So I'm trying to help her vomit while I'm trying not to vomit also simultaneously cleaning up her vomit while trying not to vomit on her while I'm, I mean, you know, so it's like, you just gotta keep, just keep pushing. You, just, you don't have a choice, you just keep pushing. Yeah, there's been times when I was definitely dying and I was like, you know, cold, cold. Right. I had to like make myself chicken noodle soup, soup from scratch, <laughs> you know? And I was just like- I don't wanna make my own soup. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is what women do all the time. <laughs> Stop complaining and feed yourself. Yeah, or you know, I won't say all women because there are some Many. women who don't have that. No, for sure. At all, I know some women who. Then that brings not to like divert the conversation, but like, not everybody is meant to be like a mom or a parent. And I'm Nor like have to be. so cool with that. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion right now about women who are very conscious about not having children. And like other women who are like, then you'll just never know true love. I'm like, what the fuck is that? It makes yeah. me it makes me so aggravated. And I saw this other woman make a video and she's like, only really good moms understand why not everybody wants to be a mom. Because it is fucking hard. It is so hard. And I'm not trying to like blow sunshine up my ass, like what about like how hard I work and whatever, but like it's fucking hard and it's not for everybody. So if somebody's like has even the slightest inclination that they don't want to be a mom, don't be a mom. It's not, it's not for yeah. you and it's okay. It's okay. And I think it makes sense that this generation, millennials and you know, Gen Z, which I'm a part of, millennial part. Yeah. But- um, <laughs> You guys are all in my room here. I'm like, nah. <laughs> Yeah. But I think there's a good reason why a lot of us aren't having kids. You know what I mean? We really understand this idea of trauma, generational trauma. Sure. I remember even cause like growing up as a child of a single mother, not having a dad or like, I learned, I used to study television and movies to mm-hmm. try to understand families. Why would someone not be interested in their right. son? Like, what would I be like as a dad without having a father figure? So right, I did a right, lot right. of that. And I remember even in middle school coming to the realization that it's impossible to traumatize, not traumatize your child. Yeah. 
Because trauma, oftentimes, it's relative to your right, life. Right, right. You know what I mean? Well, because trauma just means like a physical, emotional response to a situation. Right. That, that yeah, is right. different from your normal. That, right, state of you, being. Right. That your mind had to basically be like, well, I have to protect you now, you right, know, or right, whatever right. that is. So it's like, that's all relative to your life. Right. So you Absolutely. can give them the most charmed, sheltered life and the smallest. That's why like the euphemism is spilled milk. Mm. Because to someone who hasn't experienced right. anything, that spilled milk, getting in trouble, not getting that perfect grade, like that's going to traumatize right. them. Like not living up to expectations of your parents. Like those are things that's just impossible to avoid. Right. But you know, it makes a lot of sense that a lot of us are like, I don't want to give this to the next generation. Right. And that doesn't mean that we're incapable of love. No, of course not. Know? Or I think maybe that in and of itself is an act of love. Right. Being like, I don't want to necessarily give this world to a child. I don't necessarily have the skills or the desire to to nurture a child like that Correct. is an act of love in and of itself. Being like, yeah. I, I don't have what you need me to give you. And if a lot of parents could come to that you know, a, you know, idea, I feel like a lot of kids would be better off, you know? Cause I mean, those, those parents will be like, you don't know true love or unconditional love until you have a child. Well, I see so many moms and dads throw away their dogs. Oh. So like, I, I combat that with is, do you really you know, know what love right. is? Right. Or do you only know what love is when it's love. connected to you? Right. Because like, I can tell you, like, I will literally give my dog my card if he needs to. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, so like, don't tell right. me I don't know I what that. love is. Anyway, our whole idea was, uh, the whole topic for today was to not get too deep. And of, of course me and Ed are like, dive in head first, yeah. let's get into really deep. Wait, but you also got a juicer, right? Oh my God, I love my juicer yeah. so much and I can't. So you did do something for yourself I did do something for week. myself yeah. and it, okay. I had to really like reconcile whether or not I wanted to spend this much money. Cause I already bought a different juicer, which was half the price. And I got it cause I was like, I don't want to spend so much money on a juicer. But then I used it and I was like, this is a piece of shit. Like, wait, which one was the one you TikToked? The, the first second, second one? Oh, well, okay, I TikToked okay. two of them. So I TikToked the first one where I showed the juice, I was making the juice. And then the other one was like, this is the upgrade. Oh yeah. Because I juiced for a couple days and like the pulp from the first juicer was so like sopping wet that I was like, there's so much juice here still. And I was like, so over time and very quickly, I will, I'm theoretically wasting money every right. time I use this juicer. So mm -hmm. the couple hundred dollars that I saved, I'm throwing away very over quickly. and over again, yes. very, very quickly, like within the next couple of weeks, if stupid. That, yeah. So I'm sending that one back and I upgraded to the Nama J2, which mm, sounds so like high sound, tech. It does. It's Beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing in my kitchen. <laughs> Nama J2 juicer and Nama, if you guys want to like throw me a sponsorship or whatever, because I'm going to be hyping you guys up so much. Why would you pay me? Don't pay me because I'm going to do it for freak, but pay me. Pay her. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Okay. Like I'm not going to go for, I'm not going to do a half hour infomercial, but like just the pulp itself comes out in these like thin, like quarter inch ribbons. Like it is so dense and dry. Like you get every fucking ounce of juice out of that thing. And it's amazing. Isn't it so much to clean though? Yeah, but I take joy in seeing this big like pitcher of green juice. And I'm like, I feel so accomplished. And I feel like I've done something good for myself that I don't, 
yeah, it's the, the cleanup is kind of a pain in the ass, but you can also like save the pulp and I can use it to dehydrate and add to my smoothies. I can give it to the dogs. Yeah. I can make fertilizer. I, I can compost. I can do so much that it's like, Soups. it feels, yeah, it feels super worth it. I added um, the uh, dehydrated carrot to the tomato sauce that I made for the kids dinner last night. Oh, they yeah. loved it. It was yeah, great. Yeah. They didn't even notice. I was That's like, where all the nutrients, I mean, there's a lot of nutrients fiber, still there. Tons yeah. of fiber still, tons of, and so, you know, so self-care, you know, you gotta do stuff. Were you influenced? Duh. <laughs> Duh. You've been getting a lot of juice talk, huh? I'm just like everybody else. <laughs> I am an influencer, but I am far more the influenced yeah. than I am the influencer. I, uh, what's her name? We'll flash it up here in a second. Uh, Miss or the Jen Jones, somebody like that. But she's incredible. She's a TikToker, um, and she's all about like healthy living. I think her dad had heart disease, and so she does this whole page about how to just kind of be more mindful about your health. Yeah. I've made all of her recipes. I bought the juicer she uses. I add the cinnamon on the juicer just like she does. Like, oh. <laughs> I think there's like a, some kind of, it does something for your blood. I don't even oh, remember. Oh, that's, oh yeah, cinnamon does. It, it is healthy for you too yeah. in small doses, I think. Yeah, but. I made this like duh, duh, date caramel. Yeah. Oh, I just saw that. It's so delicious. I hate dates and I was like. I add it to my coffee. It tastes like a caramel, like macchiato. Wow, that's crazy. And obviously I know dates have sugar. So many people in the comments are like, you know, dates still have sugar. Yeah, bitch, I know, I but know. It's, but caramel is straight sugar. Right, refined sugar. Yes. It doesn't have any nutrients. It doesn't have any antioxidants. It doesn't have any, you know, fiber, nothing. But this has all of those things. Dates are really so good if I'm gonna you. have sugar, have it, I'm gonna have it this way. Korean grandparents will swear that dates are like connected to why they live so long. And medicine. Out. Yeah. It's medicine. It is medicine. I think, you know, food can be medicine. So, you know, I'm taking that approach. I wanted juice because I know how healthy it is. But just like everything in my life, <laughs> it's connected to childhood trauma. Really? Uh, this one's not real. This one's not real, real. This is more of a joking trauma. Not that tra trauma is a joke. But, okay, right. But uh, my mom picked up on that health trend before it was a trend. Yeah, my parents did too. Yeah, so she's been juicing since I was like two. Uh-huh. And since then, until I left my house at the age of 18, her house rather, um, she would make me drink a 16 ounce cup of juice that she made every day. And like my cousin's wife- but Look how tall you are. My cousin's wife literally, when she first had her first son or child, she literally was like asking me and my mom, like, what did you do to get Ed to be so big and healthy? Because like my mom's 5'2". The one time I met my dad, I think he was like around five, six, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm six one. So there's like, yes, it could be genetics, but it could, they're also like, but like, did you do anything that right. we might be able to replicate? And right. I was like, oh, my mom juiced. Yeah. So literally, but it wasn't like, it didn't have cinnamon in it. <laughs> I'll tell you what my mom juiced me. So every day at the minimum, it was mainly celery, beets, kale. Oof. Carrots. Oof. Maybe once in a while I would get like an apple. So it was like the juicer's juice. It was the juicer's <laughs> juice. And like literally, fun fact, I used to, I've never lost the chugging competition in college. Because you had so much practice. Because I had 16 years of being conditioned <laughs> to not taste it and just throw every yeah, morning yeah, before yeah. I left, that was my breakfast. And yeah. I used to just, it was gone in like less than a second. Yeah. I, I, I make a separate juice for the kids. Yeah. Which is much more palatable for them. And then I'm kind of, much like I do with everything else, I just ease in different flavors and things so that they kind of get used to it before I don't just like hit them with it. Yeah. So their juice is like cucumbers and apples and oh. spinach mm. and pineapple, which mm -hmm. they really like. 
And then mine is the grains and the ginger and the, you know, it's really intense. It's really intense. <sighs> Even ginger would have been nice. <sighs> yeah. But it would have been a nice it's, little. It's really spicy when you drink oh, it, man. Oh, yeah. So that person, you're like, <laughs> I used too much ginger. It's like, yeah. Right here, it's like. But, but it will be good for your kids. Yeah. And they, you know, they enjoy it. And, you know, they love watching the juicer. <laughs> June was like, oh, my God, it looks like it's pooping the, the spinach. It is. It's very intriguing. I literally admire my mom because, like, cleaning that pulp. Yeah. Like, and I don't know the ones now, but, like, we had this old one from the 80s. It was called this company called, like, Olympic or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think my parents had the same one. Was it yeah. silver? And yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, uh. Just watching her clean out like the 10, 15 components she had to like yeah. take apart every time. This one is relatively streamlined. I mean, there are, it. there was definitely, there are a lot more parts, but it, like I said, it's, it's worth it for what you're getting. Like yeah. if I had to do all that work and then still only get, you know, 60% of the juice, I'd be like, fuck this. This is a, this is a joke, but this one's not. Yeah. I'm, I'm just come over and you can juice. <laughs> You'll love it. Yeah. Maybe we can. I'll bring all the strawberries and oranges and bananas. It's delicious. <laughs> yeah. It has a smoothie attachment too. You can make smoothies out of it. Mm. I haven't done that yet. Anyway. Smoothies. So anyway, getting to the topic of the show, which isn't really a topic really, because we kind of wanted it to be that way just because I feel like some days you can just be. And I think the best way for us to do that is. Right. This. And while realizing that we don't need to overshare, we also were like, but we've also never really talked about ourselves not like really. on our tick. I mean, we do, we reference our lives, but like, it's not really who we are. Right. Those are just like snippets. Right. We will like talk stories and then we'll like share, you know, like little blips here and there. But, you know, I don't know if you guys even want to know who we are. I do. <laughs> I'm nosy. I'm nosy too. So, <laughs> so first we'll start with what? Our, our childhoods and, but not the deep stuff, yeah, just so like we're the gonna, factual stuff. We're gonna interview each other and then yeah. we're gonna end it with a fun game <laughs> to ask more intrusive questions. Right, cause, cause fun. Yeah, we literally <laughs> went to Target right before we <laughs> shot this and uh, we're looking for games that had questions. Cause we figured if we wrote our own funny questions, then we it would wouldn't, know the answers yeah, we would already it, know. Right? Yeah. So, all right. Well, so Ed, thank you so much for joining me for your interview today. Oh yes. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> so tell me about your earliest childhood memories where you were born and all these things. Oh, but we didn't want to talk about not no. deep stuff. Just like where, not like <laughs> not crying things. <laughs> Or, okay, what's your favorite color, Ed? No, wait, no, I'll answer that. So I was born in Los Angeles. Okay. And then right after I was born, my mom spent a lot of time between LA and Korea. Okay. So I have a lot of memories of like both. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of memories of getting yelled at and in trouble. But, <laughs> and then when I was like around seven, right after first grade, so like right after I just turned seven, my grandmother who was living with us, uh, she wanted to move to Philadelphia to be with her closest son, mm. closest and only or oldest and only son I met. So I don't know if it was like an Asian thing or my grandmother was going through something. I'm not sure, but she wanted to move to Philadelphia to be with them. So we moved there. Okay. And then uh, I remember touching ground and at the age of seven, literally being like, I hate it here. And not like <laughs> in the movies, you know, I just was like, why did we leave LA? Yeah. I was like, we went to, I went to a elementary school here. It was called Coenga. Mm -hmm. That was like 95 to like 98% Korean. Oh, interesting. It was like very Korean. The teachers were Korean. My mom would literally pack kimbap for me to bring to my, my teachers 
and for my lunch, you know what I mean? So yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. To then moving to Philadelphia, specifically right outside the suburb called Upper Darby, which was pretty diverse, but not with, you know, not with Koreans. And there was a lot of white people too, you right. know? And I went from like sharing my kimbap with my teacher to being bullied for like bringing kimbap and bulgogi. Yeah, that you know? must have so been a very jarring disparity. It was, it was very weird. Yeah. But then, so yeah, that was mostly my childhood and uh, that sounds exciting. Okay. Way to be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what I remember. Okay. And then are you gonna ask me a question? Yeah. Are we gonna go like ping pong? We are gonna ping pong, that sounds racist. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> South Koreans are very good at ping pong. <laughs> yes. I am not. I'm not either. The ball's so small. I can't <laughs> see it. It's, yeah, I just, it's I don't know. It's so fast. Yeah, I don't know so how people do it. That. Yeah. I just don't have the hand-eye coordination for it. Well, what about you? Tell me a little bit about your childhood. So my parents immigrated here in 1971 with my sister, who was two years old at the time. She was born in Korea. And they lived in East LA for a little while. And then they moved to West Covina, where I was born. And I lived there until I was three. And then on the day that my younger sister was born was the day that they drove, um, were driving to move to the house that they still live in. Um, I'm not gonna say what city, cause it's a really small town in Los Angeles and uh, where they still live. So, and then I grew up, it's a very, it's a very small town that at the time was not very affluent, but over time has become this like very affluent neighborhood with like tons of celebrities and like, multi huge like million bajillion dollar houses but like my parents little house like sits on the corner like yeah. in the middle of this town and i went to elementary school there and then you know in la where everybody was busted um so like all the kids that lived in my neighborhood either those of us who couldn't afford to go to private school went to the public schools and all the other rich kids went to private school and then we went to school with all the because our schools were so big, but didn't have the attendance, they would bus kids from all over LA. So we had kids from everywhere, from like East LA and from like South LA and from oh, all over. Okay. So every single day was like this little microcosm of LA every single day. So we yeah. had literally every kid, except Korean kids. There were very few Korean kids. Um, That's weird. I know, I know, it's weird. There were, no, there weren't, there were either two different types of Korean kids. The types that were like me who lived in the neighborhood and you know grew up around there. And then the kids that came in from like Koreatown who were like very new to the country. Um, and they would try to get us to like all hang out with each other. But like, we were like, we don't speak the same language. It's really difficult. And they'd be like, can you show them around? I'd be like, yeah, hey, come with me. And they were like, why did you pair me with this chick? She doesn't really, it was, anyway, it was really strange, but it was, um, I'm really appreciative of the way that I grew up because I got to be around and experience people, so many different kinds of people that I think it really, because I know that a lot of the other schools that the local girls went to were very sheltered and very rich white girl schools. I mean, just say what yeah. it is. Um, and so I'm really appreciative of the way that I grew up, you know, in my town. So early childhood. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> That makes sense. Let's see, what other questions? It's my turn. Um, what is your current marital status? Oh, I'm single. Married, single, divorced, single. Single, um, have, 
I've had, I've had like, for instance, like I've even had like an eight year relationship once. Um, that was the one where she was white and I kept trying to like convince myself that I was going to marry her mm. because I think I was like projecting an image versus actually experiencing what I wanted. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. We've all been there. There was a couple things. So like when I met her mother, um, she told me how she was like almost married a Chinese guy once. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I don't like dealing with that. I was like, I ate a turkey sandwich for lunch. Like what the fuck does that yeah. have to do anything? <laughs> I was, but even more so I was like, even if I don't want to deal with it, I was like, I don't want my children yeah. dealing with that. Yeah. So then that kept sticking in my head. And then, um, the way she treated the dogs was very different from how I wanted to raise my dogs. So I couldn't stop correlating that to the fact that like our kids are going to grow up to be assholes. Oh no. Why? You know what, what, I mean? what was the way that she would treat the dogs? Like I would be the ones to like try to discipline them mm. and like train them. And she would kind of be the one to be like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. And I'd be like, it's not okay. That's literally you're literally undoing anything, everything right. that I you're did. You're undermining everything I've just tried to accomplish. Right. And not that parenting should be one-sided. I should be obviously be Oh, a but joint you have effort. to be a united front but at all times. You have to be united. And that was the problem. Children and will find weakness and they will exploit it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even dogs yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? So like that kind of annoyed me a little bit and I don't know. I think I just like wanted, spent my whole life wanting to be a dad so much that I was trying to force it. Mm. And instead accidentally just like wasted eight years of both of our lives. Yeah. Ouch, yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, so I've wanted it. And then like when I started my business here in LA, my business partner and I, we like made this pact that we were going to like focus on the business. So then I like, during that time I did date someone for like a year, but then that didn't work out because I, we just weren't, in the same place, you know? And then I like focused on my business for a while. Yeah. And then like the pandemic happened and the next thing I knew I was like, oh, my thirties <laughs> are fleeting and I am still single. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? But you're a millennial. Like that, I feel like that's a, such an acceptable thing for millennials. I feel like they're very cognizant of like, you don't have to always be in a certain place yeah. in life just because everybody else says you're supposed to be. So yeah. at least you have that. I agree, but like the millennial in me, is also fighting with the 12 year old me mm. who wanted to, you know what I mean? Have a family and do right. all that. But like me now I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You don't even have your shit together. You're going <laughs> to bring a child into this world. Like what? You know? Well, so I mean, there are people who do that with their shit far less together. So yes. I think it'd be okay. But this is where I'm at. Okay. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Got it. Soon. Someday. I think. Ooh, we'll see. For you, yes. Um, what did you major in school? Oh, uh, I studied psychology, and then I dropped out, and then I went to design school. I I designed uh, clothing, and uh, so art basically. What What made you want to go into psychology, and then what made you be like, "Ooh, this is not for me"? Um. Oh boy. Hmm. I do love the study of people. Same. And I really do love the idea that we can better ourselves through understanding ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I do, I did really want to like go into like family therapy or, um, and I think maybe that was my own yearning for therapy for myself. Um, but I hated the school I was in. I went to UC Riverside uh, for two years and I fucking hated it. Um, not the school itself. It was just like, I just, 
Was it Riverside? It just smelled like poop all the time. Oh, jeez. It was always manure, and it was so hot. It was just so, like, uh, oppressive. You know, the heat was so oppressive, and I couldn't deal with it. Um, I had a lot of fun there. Um, but I think, and I think we'll discuss this in future episodes, I think even though I was able to get into college, I think I have a lot of, like, ADHD and like learning disabilities that I never addressed, even to this day as a 47 year old woman, never addressed them. So being left to my own devices to study and to like concentrate when there were so many other things around me that I would rather have been doing really got the better of me. And I was like, I can't do this. I'm just like wasting money. They're going to kick me out anyway. I'm just going to drop out. So I just dropped out of school. How did your parents, did you tell them right away? Did you hide it? Well, I was like, I live here now at home again. And they're like, why? I was like, I'm not going back. <laughs> Did you do it mid-semester? Was that the end of a semester? It was at the end of my second year. I was like, I'm not going back. I just can't go back. And um, I think my parents have always understood that I'm just not like everybody else. They just didn't know what that meant. You know, like I always was so like artistic and I was always like fucking with my hair and my makeup. And I was always like trying on different clothes and doing, you know, interesting things with food and just like, they just didn't know how to like harness what it is that I was interested in because their focus was always like, you know, academics. My older sister is just her self-motivated academia is crazy. She was like always reading, loved to study. She has like, I don't know, six different degrees and a PhD. She's a lawyer and a fucking doctor. And I'm like, ah, I, I like makeup, you know? <laughs> so my parents were like, we don't know what to do with you. Unfortunately, like my parents had had their own businesses forever since I was little and I'd been working, you know, on and off for them since I was like 12, basically. So they're like, all right, well, well since you're home now, work. work. I was like, okay, fine. And then the opportunity came up to open our family business that we own now. But simultaneously, I was like, I kind of want to go to art school. They're like, well, that's perfect. You'll go to art school. You'll also study business while you're there. So I did that. Um, and so. I did all the things and now, and you know, 26 years later, you know, we are still running the same business that we've been running for. That's very progressive that your parents like, didn't know what to do with you, but they still were like, but we'll try to, you know, figure it out right. instead of my mom who was just like, nope, school. Yeah. School. Well, you were an only son though, right? Yes. I was, was one a lot of three. Of pressure. And think, because thankfully my older sister was so accomplished. They were like, eh. <laughs> We already got one. We yeah. got one that has a doctor in front of her yeah. name. And as long as that sticks, you know, we're There's good to go. There's also a third. We'll see what happens. Yeah. My younger sister went and got her MBA and she's a very successful business person. So it's like, eh, the middle one is the middle one. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I will say though, of the three sisters, financially, I have really probably been the one who has helped my parents the most because I run the business and I basically run it by myself now and have for the better part of probably like a decade. Yeah. So, you know, they just, my parents just hang out now. <laughs> Go yeah. golf and See? they're in Korea. You don't really know. You don't you never know. know. Don't don't count out the middle child, everybody, because you know. Or the, even just the non-studious one, yeah. you know, like we find our way. And even now my mom is like, 
oh, my daughter's famous on TikTok to her <laughs> friends. You know, and she's so proud. And she's like, oh, she has a podcast. And I'm like, do you even know what a podcast is, mom? She's like, no. <laughs> you know, but she but knows. But not everyone she, else's kids are doing right, it. Right, exactly. Yeah. She just knows she's proud of it. And she shows my her friends, you know, my TikTok page. She's like, look, 1.7 million people. And she's crazy. just so excited about yeah. it. And, you know, they... They, it's it's so simple. They just want to be proud, and I just want them to be proud of me. And you know, as of now, close to fifty years old, I feel like we're getting there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how the rest of it goes. But probably more prouder than you think, or I they think let so. on because you know so. stoicism is a thing in right, the Asian right. community. Unless you know, my dad's had a couple of drinks, and then that's all gone. <laughs> we're all crying. It's weird. That's weird. Anyway, so in order, I think to facilitate. Sorry. In order to facilitate some questions, I think we should break out the game. Are you ready for the game? We want to go into the game already? I think so. Because I can feel us. Because I was having such a hard time with the question. I, that too, but I can feel us sliding into deep stuff, which we often do. And I think let's keep things light. No? Do you want to keep asking questions? Yeah, let's, let's, let's go for the- We're 40 minutes in. Yeah, let's go for the questions. Let's go for the questions. Now, this is the game. Um, Let's get deep. <laughs> and for <it> couples. <laughs> for couples, but we're going to break it up into friends. Um, so the first level is icebreaker. Second is deep. And it's deeper. It is very sexually innuending game. Deeper? Like, well, just it's like, for couples. It's for couples. But so. there are levels of... Depth. I, yeah, or intimacy, as I was going to say. None of it is that big, but... Okay. It helps you get to know each other more. Oh, here's a question that I think you can answer. Do you prefer to cook or order in? Oh, cook. Oh, Ed is actually a really good cook. His kimchi you made, the kimchi you made me that oh, one thank time you. was really good. I've been refraining from asking you to make me more, but I'm going to release it. <laughs> like right now. Actually, my friends who took me to Weezer, I was like, they wouldn't let me pay for the ticket. And they were, I was like, well, next time I was like, you know, we go, we'll just go out to eat, you know, whatever. And they were like, actually, we were hoping we could use this to bribe you to get in on the kimchi list. Perfect. And I was like, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Duh. I was like, because I still feel like I'm indebted for this. You right. know? So it's See, like reciprocation is a beautiful thing, especially when food is involved. I'd much rather cook food for people. Yeah, I would much rather cook because like there is a sense of pride. Yeah. And on the flip side, you've never seen me try to figure out where to eat. It is very stressful for oh, me. Oh, I've seen you try to figure out other stuff, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this game. Oh my God, you guys, we're standing at Target. And I was like, let's just pick up a game that has like random questions. He's like, let me analyze every single one of them. I was like, okay, it's been 40 minutes. Like, just Were we really there for 40 minutes? Okay, I was like, oh my God. It feels like 40 minutes. But that is very on brand for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, your turn. This is the icebreaker side? Yeah. A lot of ors. Um, Apple or Android? Apple. 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 I don't know. I haven't really ever used an Android, so I'm really just like biased because I only have ever used Apple products. So Apple. I really love the Samsung phones. Yeah. Like especially those fold ones. But you don't have one. I don't have one because I'm locked into the Apple ecosystem. I think that's it, right? It's, it's like everything's connected. Yeah. I mean, I've had an iPhone since the first iPhone. Yeah. And so that's like... 10 years worth of apps that I would have to like throw away and rebuy. I and can't. Yeah, that's. That was their plan all along. It was. They fucking got me. Oh, fuckers. Yeah, until I become a millionaire and then I'll be like, maybe I'll switch. <laughs> oh, vodka or tequila. Oh, tequila. A hundred percent. Same. I have a really good one. 
at home. It's called La Llorona. I hope I'm saying it right. La Llorona. It's this like small, no, it's not this small. It's a woman owned tequila brand. It is so good. I hope Wait, I'm is it, saying. Is it spelled L-L-A? Yes. La, is it La Llorona? Because I think. It's I La Because La Llorona, I don't know how to pronounce it either, but that Buenos word Aires. that I'm trying to think of. <laughs> <laughs> that word I'm trying to think of is um, a Latino myth mythology. It's about this woman. The screaming woman. Yeah, the screaming yeah, woman Yeah, 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 it's that one. It's that green bottle that has like the cork top or oh, whatever. I don't know the tequila, I just know that word. It's so fucking good. It's delicious. So if you're a tequila drinker, I know what to get you for Christmas. Yay. Yeah, I love brown spirits. This is not. Oh, I like I like clear tequila yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> it's good, it's so good. Okay. You can, there's a lot of ores. I, well, I think it's because we're in the easy phase. Smoothie or milkshake? Weird. That's an impossible question. It depends. No, it's not. Do you like indulgence or do you like healthy? Both. What time of day? If it's eight o'clock in the morning, I'd rather have a smoothie. But if I'm having an In-N-Out burger, then I want a milkshake. I feel like that's a very time subjective thing. I can't drink a chocolate milkshake at eight o'clock in the morning, but I'm not having a fucking smoothie with my my double double. No way. I would drink a milkshake at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that's it. basically what a smoothie is imitating. It's kind just not of. as indulgent. Right, I don't know. Also, if I drink that much dairy that early, my whole day is ruined. Oh, even if I drink dairy at night, everything is ruined, <laughs> all of it. I'm moving to the next level. Next level! Deep. <laughs> wow. Insert Adele song here. <laughs> Wait, we don't know about copyright laws, remember? <laughs> no, I mean, not literally. <laughs> I mean. In your head, just sing verbally, it in your head. <laughs> yeah. If you could be fluent in another language, which would it be and why? Oh. Hmm. Can I give two answers? I tried, yes. I tried Duolingo Spanish during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And as with many things in my life, because my self-diagnosed ADHD, yes. that hyperfixation fell off. Ah, okay. So I would really like to learn Spanish, but... I would also really like to learn Mandarin. Interesting. Both because they're just so widely, widely spoken. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. I feel like Chinese would probably be really hard to learn. Yes. I think any language is hard to learn, but particularly. Yes. All right, hit me. What's something you know way too much about? Giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> So something a lot of people might not know about me is that I have helped um, doula. Oblongata. <laughs> that took me a second. I was like, well, what is that? <laughs> I was like, are you speaking Spanish now? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Kind of. I think it's technically derived from Latin. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's a Roman, right. Yeah. Um, a doula is actually somebody who helps aid in, you know, the birth process. Yeah. Um, I have given birth myself twice. I have helped my sister give birth twice. I've helped four of my friends give birth. Wow. Um, not they. Not everyone had a successful birth vaginally, but they did eventually oh. have to have C-sections. But I was part of it all. I can talk about giving birth all day long. I don't know what it is. I feel like if I came back in another life or if I decided to like start my life all over, I might go into like obstetrics or gynecology or like midwifery. Do you feel like you're, and I, I don't, use this word in a negative way, but do you feel like your obsession with birth 
kind of has slight ties to the world record that you set. <laughs> it's not a world record. It's not a world record. But it was a record at her hospital for possibly till now. We're not I sure. I was really confused as to where you were going. I thought you were going to talk about like Korea and like my ancestors. Or no, I just wanted to frame it in a way so that you can describe what, what I'm talking about. I'll give you a baby picture so you can have one for the edit. Um, so at the hospital that I was born in, my father says that he was, it was one of his proudest moments because I was the biggest baby in the hospital weighing in at a whopping 11 pounds. Oh my God. <laughs> my mom's 5'4". She's a tiny little lady. And she had you naturally. Oh yeah. I feel like there's a slight connection there. <laughs> <laughs> also, your own children were Unmedicated births, yes. But we're also very big. Yes, nine pounders, both of them. Wow. Yeah, we we birth them healthy around here. <laughs> no. Jeez. I know. Um, the process of giving birth and the the reason I think I was so like obsessed with it was number one, my younger sister. She was the yeah, first. Because one. it's one a miracle. It's a well, it's a miracle, but it's also very natural, and it's something that nobody talks about. Like women don't talk about giving birth and what the experience is like. So when I was pregnant, you know, my sister was like, hey, how are you gonna give birth? I was like, I don't know, in a hospital. And I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about it. And she's like, we should probably do more research than we're actually doing. And so she introduced me to like the Bradley method and all these things and different ways to give birth. And it just really like dawned on me how like the medical system without getting in too in depth in this conversation was just like, taking advantage of women's ignorance yes. and their fear yes. and their um, lack of knowledge around something that they should know at least something about. I've spoken to so many women about, you know, pregnant women and and I'm not invasive at all. I'm like, oh, you know, do you have a birth plan? Like what's your, and they're like, I don't know. I don't really know anything about it. I'm like, my only advice for future mothers who birthing people is the more you know, the less scared you are, the less scared you are, the more control you have. Correct. And I think I can walk into any situation with that same kind of like three step, three pronged approach. And I think learning about things prepares you and takes the fear away. And I think being in a position where you are about to pass something that size through your body and not knowing like the stages of what's happening, the, you know, how intense the pain is going to get, how to manage that pain, how to, you know, do the things that you need to do to get you and the baby, you know, out safely. I, I feel like, why wouldn't you want to know? Like a lot of people are like, I don't want right. to know. I don't want to know. I'm like, you don't want to know, but you know, I'm not judging. I'm just, you know, I'm, it, I find it very interesting that people yeah. don't want to know. I mean, the whole thing is kind of like a racket. Kind of. Because um, that was one of the things that I hyperfixated on one time. I like to learn about experiences that I don't know. Because mm, that's yeah. the opposite of ignorance. You right, know? Right, right. Not that I'll ever know everything or sure. understand everything, but I try to. And one of the hyperfixations I did was like birth. Yeah, interesting. And, I didn't uh, know that. I don't remember the exact specifics because I inundate my brain with so much information, you know, but it was like something, it wasn't like hospitalized birth wasn't a standard until like somewhat recently. Very, yeah. Very recently. Mm -hmm. And I forget what the exact reasoning was. 
40s or 50s yeah but there was like something that happened that it started getting to like in fact in the 40s or 50s whenever before it became standardized Mm -hmm. if you a pregnant woman came to the hospital they'd be like why are you you here here? go back home yeah (laughs) do this at your house yeah like doulas were actually pretty midwives and doulas doulas how how it was done yeah they were the norm i think a big part of it for me and I think, which is odd, because that's where my mind went earlier in this conversation, is that I wanted to kind of experience what it was like for my mother and my grandmother and my great-grandmother and my great-great-grandmother to have, my grandmother gave birth six times, you know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure, you know, 100%, there was no, you know, medication. She wasn't, you know, getting an epidural. And there was just something very primal in me where I was like, I want to know what this feeling is. I want to just really, and I'll be honest, being pregnant and giving birth was the closest I've ever understood myself and understood my body. And it was like the most liberating feeling being pregnant. And it was the most like empowering thing I've ever done. I don't, I'm not, I don't think it's for everybody the way that I did it, but for me, I was like, wow, that was the most powerful. And I really, I say this, like, I won't get into too many details, but there was some complications with my older daughter's birth and it got dicey and it got really scary. And I was too far along to have a C-section and I had to like really like dig deep into like my soul because there was nowhere else to go. So my sister and my husband were in the room and they basically had to fold me in half backwards. And I had to push my daughter out while the doctor was literally corkscrewing her out of my body. Totally unmedicated. It's like reverse Tetris. Basically. (sighs) And I will tell you, and I don't know if I was like having like an out of body experience. And you know me, I'm not like one of those like spiritual meta type folks. I'm not. But I really felt like the spirit of my grandmother moved through my body. And she was like, push bitch, I was like, okay. I felt this connection in my spirit between myself, my grandmother, and my unborn daughter. And I felt this like synergized energy in my body. And I don't speak this way ever, because I've never experienced it like that before, where I felt like we had all these like energies joining together to make this one thing happen. And then a few seconds later, you know, she was born. And mm. yeah. Oh my gosh, she looked like she had been beat the fuck up because she was stuck for a minute. Oh my God. It was really I intense. feel like babies often come up already pretty purple, right? She was purple. She was black and blue, but her face was white because she didn't get any oxygen because of the umbilical cord. Like it was really gnarly. Like she had to like, they had to like pry her out, like jaws of lifestyle. <laughs> it was crazy. Girl, you are a miracle. <laughs> she is. She's so mean to me now. <laughs> I'm going to tell her this story. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> Maybe like. Maybe she'll be nicer. Sounds like she was difficult from that point on. She's just headstrong, which is, will serve her in the future, but right now it's a pain in my ass. Also, totally okay to give birth with anesthesia. Yes, of course. At the hospital, for sure. Inappropriate. (laughs) What's one of your simple pleasures? Eating. (laughs) The way you said it. Eating. That's... (laughs) For as indecisive as I am, yeah. I know that one for sure. God, my greatest so pleasure is right? eating, yes. I think that's my whole shtick is like, you know, it's not just food. Like it's literally a blanket. It's a blanket. It's a hug. It's it's you know, the it's assuring words. It's, you know, so many things. What's your favorite like indulgent like food? Like the food that you don't eat all the time because you know that it's not good for you, but that you want all the time. Ice cream. 
Oh, really? Fried chicken. Fried, fried chicken. chicken is mine. <laughs> fried chicken. I love fried chicken so much. And if I could, I would. I would eat, also eat a shit ton of ice cream, but I am like severely lactose intolerant. And I'm not even just lactose intolerant, but whatever hormones are in dairy mm. messes up my hormones. RBST, I think is what it whatever is. Whatever it is. Um, like it throws off my sweat glands and my hormones for weeks, weeks, weeks. Dang. Like if I don't digest any dairy, I barely sweat. Didn't we go have Bingsu and wasn't there condensed milk? Yeah. Isn't that the concentrated form of milk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like. You're living so dangerous, I do. Man. I live dangerously <laughs> because like, what's the point of life, you know? But right. I try not to eat it often. Yeah. You know, like there will be, sometimes I go like months without eating anything dairy and my body feels amazing. <laughs> and then I'm always like, oh my God, I'm not as sweaty as I think I do. And then I eat dairy and the next thing I know, like everything's sweating That's and so I'm just like, oh my God, I hate this. Huh. But. At the beginning of the pandemic, um, so fried chicken is my weakness, and it's literally the reason why I don't pick food, is because like as my indecisive brain goes, I'm always like I'm gonna eat, like I don't want to waste time, money, my calories on shitty food. So yeah, like yeah, I always yeah. go towards what I want, what's the best, like who's the best to get it from, like da 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 da. And as I go through my cravings, once fried chicken comes into my brain, it overshadows. Everything. In fact, at the beginning of the pandemic, I bought an air fryer for the first time, as did a lot of us. Yes, yes. And I was like, this is healthier. Forgetting the er part, as in it's not healthy. Right, right, right. So I made and ate fried chicken, Korean fried chicken. Delish. Seven to 10 times a week. Seven to 10? There's only seven days. But there is 21 meals. <laughs> I don't eat breakfast, so there is 14 meals. <laughs> And when I say seven to 10 in that way, it was probably closer to like 12 to 14. Wow. So like I would make enough for my roommate and I, and there would sometimes be leftovers enough to just like eat a small little lunch, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And um, three to four months in, I was making a video for our business. My head happened to go like this in front of the camera. And as I was editing it, I was like, what the fuck is that? What was it? It was um, 30 to 40 pounds that I oh, gained. Oh, no. <laughs> the pandemic did us in. It did everybody in. Yeah, and I also wasn't weighing myself at the time, you know, and I was just like, uh, slept on the skin. I was like, wow, you gained 30-ish pounds. That's I was a like, lot of chicken. Holy Jesus, fucker. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? So, yes. Do you have a favorite fried chicken place? Mm, that is tough. That is tough. What's the big one that people like fight over, like Popeyes or Jollibee? I don't even know. That's really tough. So back in high school, I would literally skip school to go get Popeyes. Mm. Like I, I was, haven't had it. It's so good. Okay. So the only thing Does I've my had body from, always love it? Yeah. No. The only thing I've had from Popeyes, so we had just had dinner oh, at a restaurant, that, yeah. and I was like, oh, all these people are eating the, that strawberry biscuit. <laughs> I had just had an entire huge dinner, and we drove through Popeyes, and I was like, oh, can I please have a strawberry biscuit? And then I ate it, and I was like, oh, I get it. Okay, if the chicken is on par with this biscuit, then we're in business, so I gotta go back. So maybe we'll do that. My second slash third is also bread. I just love carbs. like. You say right. biscuits. Yeah. Like I um I used to love going to um Boston Market. Oh yeah. I would get like a quarter or half a chicken. My dad loves that place. And then I would also get a dozen biscuits. 
or cornbread. They have cornbread. Mm. And uh, they would always be like a dozen and be like, please don't fucking fat shame me. Just give me my goddamn fucking biscuits. You don't know what I'm doing with these. Yeah. And like everyone would be like, okay. And then my friends would watch me eat the whole half a chicken. And then at the end, I would eat all 12 fucking cornbread. You wouldn't even like alternate? You'd do one at a time? Oh, I would eat like one or two while I'm eating. Uh-huh. But the majority of it was just like, because. I saved the best for last. Uh, I always do that. Everything I eat, I save the best bite for last because I want the last. The lasting memory mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, yeah, got and it. The burp tasting, all of it to be <laughs> that last bite, you know? And uh, yeah, I will eat the shit out of bread. Like I yeah. put pasta on toast, like on garlic bread. So you, was, make, you make a spaghetti sandwich? Yeah, so like I That's literally crazy. was doing it the other week and I was like, I'm putting carbs. <laughs> On carbs. <laughs> on carbs. And I was like, I am trying to get in shape right now. I was like, well, <laughs> I already made this garlic bread, so I'm going to eat it. it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. All right. Food. Mine. This is, no, this is the deep. No, this is. This is oh, this is the deep. Into the deep. If we switch lives for a day, what do you think I would do first? Not what you would do first. Oh, so if I like, if we switch lives? Lives for a day. What do you think I would do first as you? Eh? <laughs> Wait, so if we switch lives and you were in my life, what do I think you would do first in my life? Yeah, let's let's keep it to lives, not body. Yeah, lives, not body. Lives, the first thing you'd do in my life, I feel like you'd just go play with my dogs. That's literally what I was just thinking as well. Yeah, and I'd just be playing with your dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You and Huey Lewis and Julie would have the best time. Yeah, I would. I actually do know what I would do. I would play with your dogs on the trampoline. <laughs> yeah. Lifting Huey up onto the That's trampoline would be impossible. Exactly what I would do. <laughs> so you were right. Okay, That awesome. was easy. Good. Okay. Ooh. When will you have made it in your eyes? Why does stuff like this happen? I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Really? Not that question, but the answer to my question. The whole point of this game was to not cry. Oh no. I want to be able to like buy my mom a house. Yeah. Like down the street from me. Or like, you know, like be able to buy myself a house, buy my mom a house, and like be like, look, mom, I made it. I think that's a, I think that would be God an damn it. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I think that's uh I think that a lot of us have that. I actually watched this video this morning where this person is like showing their mom uh, this house and he, she thinks that he bought it for himself. And at the end, Don't uh, tell me. towards the end there's, she's looking, they're like in the kitchen and on the refrigerator is a sign that says for mom and it points in and she opens the door and it's empty, but there's this key hanging from it. She's like, well, what is this for? And she's like, he's like, this house is yours. <laughs> And uh, I just, uh, yeah, I woke up like crying watching that video and I was just like, man, that's all I've ever wanted to be able to do. You know, I don't care what I do to get there. Yeah. I just, and I know like from this podcast, it seems like, you know, my mom and I have this horrible relationship and like, we're not great, you know, we're working on it, but as flawed as she is, this woman dedicated her whole life to me and I just want to be able to like, one day tell her like the sacrifices you made meant something to me, you know? 
And I just want her to be able to be like, live comfortably and be able to like tell her friends, like, look what my son did, you know? God damn you, get deeper, whatever this stupid case is called. <laughs> deeper indeed. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Okay, next question. Okay. <laughs> What's your greatest achievement to date? <laughs> Fucking A. I hate this oh, game. No. Oh, no, I'm crying. Um... Um, oh, I can't, I don't think I, I don't know if I can talk about it. Um, I think my greatest accomplishment now is, um, the way I'm raising my daughters and to teach them that it's okay to have feelings and that it's okay to be confident and it's okay to be scared and it's okay to be confused and question the world and that, you know, you can have a voice and that, um, that they're not afraid to like come to me with their feelings. Um, I don't think I ever really talked to my parents about like my feelings. It was never like, how are you? Right. Where are you right now? Like, and I'm so proud that like, I know everything that's going on with my daughters. I know who their friends are. I know what their circle of, of friends are doing. I know what they're talking about. I know who all the cute boys are. Like I went to school yesterday to take my daughter her lunch. And um, when I get to school, I get flocked by all these little girls that run up to me and they're like, oh my God, Susie's here. And they all come up and they all like line up to like give me a hug. Wow, that's crazy. I know. And one of my daughter's friends goes, you're basically famous here. I was like, I don't know why. And they like literally stand in line. There's a line of third graders and fifth graders who just come up and like want to give me hugs. I'm sorry, sixth graders. And, um, and I feel so happy to know that like, I'm not just like mothering my own children, but like their extended friend group. Cause I always wished that my mom was like that kind of mom who like yeah. was friends with my friends' yes. moms. They were never like, they. my mom never spoke to them. It was just like, oh, hi, okay, bye. And that was it. And like, I was always so jealous. I'd watch my friends' moms all interact with each other and they would like hang out and they would have drinks together and they would have dinners. And my mom was never there. And I think it was just because my mom was so self-conscious of not being able to speak English. Yep. And I was always so sad that she wasn't one of those moms because yep. she would have been so good at it and it would have been yep. so fun for us to like experience that together. Yeah. Um, so to be that for my daughters, um, it, it means so, it's so valuable to me and to watch them be so proud. And you know, my, my daughter leans over, she goes, God, my, my, I feel like my friends like you more than they like me. And I'm like, oh, you shut up, that's not true. <laughs> you know, and it's like such a cute like thing that we can share that I wish that I'd had. But even if I couldn't have had that with my mom, to have that now with my girls is, is something that I, I will cherish forever. This game yeah. was really, really mean <laughs> Fuck you game. <laughs> Stupid game. Yeah, God, I, I okay. know what you mean though. <sighs> I always wish my mom was like that too. And I think that was part of the reason why I worked so hard to be liked by my friends' moms. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah, and like, that's how it always was. I either was like the bad influence of the group same. or their mom like the favorite. loved me. I was exactly the yeah. same, that's so funny. And I think, uh, I think a lot of the ones who loved me saw the sadness, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure none of them are watching this, but thanks. <laughs> Wow. Um, it's us. Is it us or is it this game? I think 
kids? They <laughs> <laughs> think it's us too. Uh. Oh no, I'm not asking you that. No fucking way. Because it's inappropriate or because it's going to make us cry? That's going to make you cry and this one's really inappropriate. Oh. I'm going to ask you anyway because if, uh -oh. if we don't laugh, we I, need to laugh. I can't. What is your least favorite sex position? <laughs> you don't have to answer that. Um... Uh... <laughs> I don't hate any of them, yeah. but I don't love certain people when they're doing cowgirl or reverse cowgirl. That's exactly what I was <laughs> going to say. I feel like I'm not there when I'm doing that. I feel like I'm not involved. <laughs> Some people are just like too aggressive, you know? And like maybe... It's a control. I'm not sure, you know, but I don't hate. I don't hate it, but it, I don't love it for everyone. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm like, you're over there. I'm over here. I feel like we're not even in the same room, really. <laughs> Which it was some men that I've been with would have probably been better anyway. Yeah, but if it's somebody that I actually want to be in with, I'm like, you're right about there. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. You say my Korean name, you know what? You know what? Let's just ignore it. I did not hear that. <laughs> okay. Oh, we needed that. Okay, thank God. <sighs> Next question. Tears are weird. Tears are weird. Oh, well, you're not in a relationship with me. Well, okay. When was the first time you realized you wanted to do this podcast with me? Oh, okay. I see what you did there. I was like, that's a very specific question. How did the game know? Um, you know, I had wanted to do a podcast for the longest time, but I just didn't know how to like, I didn't want to just be by myself. Um, I, so having a podcast partner was something that I actually really wanted. And actually you approached me with it. I did. But I feel like I manifested it. So I'm going to take credit for it. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> Manifest. <laughs> Which I do believe in, I'm just joking. There you go, yeah. because I was like, I really want to do a podcast, but I feel like I'm so much better like when I'm with somebody else and kind of Same. reacting and like, you know, conversationally. Um, so you brought it up, you're like, hey, I was just thinking, and I think we had been friends for a while. I don't know that we'd really like. We had dinner with Michael that one time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And the conversation was so easy. Mm -hmm. um, it was awkward at first, because it was just you and me. Michael had, well, he was late, Michael. Um, and we, but we had this like really easy conversation. Uh, you remember I was early that one time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> one time I was like, first really impressions matter. <laughs> <laughs> Cause had I known then what I know now. Yeah. I'm perpetually late. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, but, but I was like, you mentioned it and other people had asked me if I wanted to do a podcast with them. And I was like, I don't have a real report. Oh. Don't, don't feel, yeah, you should feel good about this. Oh, thanks. And I was like, People that you know had asked me, and I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm kind of busy. Oh, now that I'm saying this out loud, they might watch it and be like, thanks, bitch. <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, I think it was, how did I know? When did I know? When you asked me. That moment, I was that's like- That's what it felt like. I was like, that's, that's, yes, this feels right, this feels yeah. right. And I think, I think I was right. I think you were right. I think my manifestation yeah. into your brain was right. Because <laughs> I, I, I forget how exactly it went, but I thought it was like, you should do a podcast, and then I was like, with me. 
Yeah. Because that's literally how it happened. I was like, oh, Susie should definitely have a podcast. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I would listen. I was like, and then I was like, who should Susie have a partner with? And I was like, wait, why am I not good enough? I was like, why do I keep doing that to myself? I was I like, you know what? Good. This one time, I was like, I'm going to believe Shoot in me. Shot. Yeah. It worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fantastic. Fun. I'm so glad. All right. I, I, th I think people like it. Please like it. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. If you could use a voodoo doll to hurt anyone you choose, would you? Wait, is there a button with scary music on the thing? Crickets surprised. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> um, yes. Oh shit, you would. There Can are some you? evil people in this That's world. That's true. That's true. There are some evil ass people in this world. I'm not going to ask you who then, because yeah. I feel like that will take us to the darkness again. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go to the darkness today anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I even jokingly want to say one, but I don't want to. I don't want to. You will tell me later, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Okay. Next question. I don't know if I can do Next it. Next question. What's your favorite trait about yourself and why? Um. That is not a deeper question. I just want to. I just want to clarify that. Well, I don't think they mean like, oh, I think, I think I am very good at um, feeling other people's emotions before they emote them. Like I can read a room really well and I can be like, this person feels uncomfortable with this question. I'm going to divert it. Or this person clearly wants to talk more about this topic. I'm going to go ahead and, you know what I mean? Like you keep saying this person, but I feel like <laughs> I you're feel talking like, about me. I feel like Ed <laughs> wants me to divert the conversation. I feel like Ed wants me to go deeper into this conversation. I feel like Ed needs me to do things sometimes. Which is why this is a great podcast. <laughs> Symbiotic. We think. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, I think I can attribute that to just being deeply empathetic to people and cool. I, I'm proud of that. Let's do you. one last round of questions. Okay. No crying. Nope. Well, I mean, no. crying's okay. I was just kidding. What first attracted you to me to wanting to do a podcast together? I felt like, Ooh, how do I say this without sounding like a pompous asshole? <laughs> say it. I felt like you were an intellectual and emotional equal. Okay. You know what? I take that as a very high compliment. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like you were similar to me where like you try to understand all points of views. You also have a lot of insight. Your cognitive abilities are good. You know what I mean? Like you, I like a lot of people say in your comments, sometimes in mind, like, you don't miss, you know what I yeah. mean? And I feel like our views are similar. Yeah, I agree. Even though they may be slightly differing or reasonings might be different, but I don't know. I just kind of felt like I wanted to know what your thoughts were on things. Yeah. And I was like, what a great way to have conversations yeah. with someone, yeah. you know? Cool. Awesome. Do I want to answer that about you? I do. I feel this very similarly. I also felt like because we have such similar experiences and that we have this shared understanding of, of wanting to understand the world, 
but I thought your perspective would be so different because I don't have any Korean men in my life, really. Right. Um, you know, my husband is not Korean. I don't have any brothers. I have cousins, but like we're not like particularly close. close yeah. And my father and I, you know, my father's just a very just a different, you know, person, you know, he, or he's not like my equal. Right. And so I really, I've always wanted like a brother or like a Korean like dude that's like my best friend. You know what I mean? And I feel like we're very, we've evolved together and like we've become very close because I think we're both so open to each other's experiences that are so differing, yeah. but we have this really foundationally common identity, which I think is really cool. Yeah, there's like a shared but different experience that is enough for us to empathize, sympathize, and comfort each other. Yeah, I agree. While also showing perspective so it's not right. like an echo chamber. Either. Right, right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Awesome. Okay. Last question. Make it good. Here we go. What is something you want to do together that we haven't done yet? I, what is something we want to do together that we haven't done yet? I want to just continue to grow the podcast. I want to continue the, to grow the podcast and I can actually honestly see us doing something even like bigger than this, like having like a television show around kind of what our experiences are and having guests and traveling the world. Like if I had like the perfect thing, it would be you and me travel show, eating food, drinking drinks. Oh my God. All over the place. <laughs> Remember I was talking about manifesting. Yeah. Now is the time. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that'd be so fun. I feel like we both know enough about certain things, but we all are st both still so open to learning new things and having new experiences. And I feel like we're so compatible in like the way we want to observe the world. Yes. And I feel like people would also want to observe us observing the world. Yeah. So, But hey. with slightly different perspectives. Yeah. So like, yes. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> TV execs, call me. Mm -hmm. How about you? Jokingly, I want to say smoke weed. Oh. We can smoke weed. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to do that one day. Yay. Um, but realistically, I don't know. I guess it kind of goes a little long in line with where you're at. I want us to be able to grow the podcast to the point where we can, like, give back. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know what that looks like yet, whether it's, like, helping spotlight businesses or, like, literally just being able to, off camera, mm -hmm. help people. Yeah. You know? But, um yeah, I, I want this to to be more than just us in this room. And I don't yeah. mean literally. I just yeah. mean like have an impact. Bigger than us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not saying that we don't have an impact right, talking, right. but I just mean like. On a bigger scale. Yeah. Yeah. I think we do. I think we have already heard the response from people that we do help them in certain ways. And we have helped people understand certain things. But I, I know what you mean. Just kind of like have further outreach yeah. to help people. And please, you know, please email us, comment us because uh, we got, we got an email this week of this father, you know, um, I'm going to obviously put it up here with his name on undis this, on undisclosed. Uh, but a father reached out to us via email stated that he has a mixed family. He's white. His wife is Asian. Korean um, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a couple of, children and the, I guess the oldest is a 16 year old daughter and he showed them the episode um, that is titled I should have been aborted where we talk about um, language barrier. a lot of language barriers and stuff like that and he stated that as a third party he sees a lot of miscommunication happening between his wife and his children 
And he said that he's been. At least he's there to bridge that gap. He is, and he says that he's been trying to get them to understand that concept for a while, but he couldn't ever word it in a way where his daughter understood it. So he watched that episode with his daughter, and his daughter essentially was like, "Wow, I never thought of the fact that like we're missing each other because my mom just doesn't have the vocabulary to really express what she wants to say to me, and I'm." misinterpreting when she is and you know hopefully she'll be able to take that you know and they'll be able to have a little bit more empathy and hopefully you know have a better understanding you know understanding but you know stuff like that those little things those little letters those little emails about that's just the smallest thing really does help motivate me and it really keeps me going because i know what it's like to be a 16 year old girl who feels like she can't talk to her own mother like it's so frustrating and it's so like stifling. You're like, it, it, it's it's hurt, it's painful, yeah. you know? And so to know that anything that you and I have said to help this 16 year old girl, not just understand herself, but understand her mother and be like, you know what? That must be hard for her to try to raise a daughter that she can't fully communicate with. Let me just be a little more compassionate that little bit of compassion in the world and knowing that we helped put it there. I don't know that, that to me is already life altering. It really is because like as confident as some of us, maybe more so Susie than me come across on our social medias, Hmm. I can guarantee you from all the conversations we have throughout the week, we're not as confident as we come across. (laughs) I don't think anybody is, you know, and, uh, Sometimes we question what we're doing or do we even know what we're talking about and, you know, stuff like that. Why would anybody want to listen to us? Right, you know, right. And, it, and it's not that like we're saying anything because most of it revolves around our experience and our perception. But, you know, we wonder like, is this bringing any value to anyone? Or right. are we just like speaking into like an empty room? Right. Whatever the Screaming into the void. <laughs> yeah, screaming into the void. And, uh, you know, thank you for, you know, sharing those experiences because it really, they mean it really the world means to a us. lot. Yeah. It means the world to us. So thank you guys so much for being here. This was fun. This was I fun. I feel like we should do this again. And remember the, the overarching message for this today's podcast is like some days it's okay to just have fun and to not, not go to the darkness. Yeah. And even some, and also the other message is some days, even while you're having fun, the um, darkness shows up. Emotions are still okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Well, there's a quote in, in one of my favorite movies, which is Steel Magnolias. And she says, you know, uh, laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. Yes. And that to me is like, it, it basically enca- encapsulates my whole entire life. <laughs> That's how I live my life. So hopefully this was of value to you all. Cause I know it was valuable to me for sure. And I hope it was to you too. It really was good. All right. So on that note, well, <laughs> thank you as always for tuning in. Uh, you can find Sujia on social media at Sujia one on TikTok and Instagram. You can find me everywhere at Etch-A-Sketch with a J. You could find our podcast at What in the Shiba. Uh, mm-hmm. If you do want to email us with any stories, suggestions. Questions, yes. comments, anything. Email us at whatintheshibad at gmail.com. If you are watching us on YouTube, please make sure you like, subscribe, and ring that bell. Ding. Otherwise, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you on the next one. Okay, okay bye. bye.